Welcome to episode one of So What? This is Brendan Flanagan. This series is designed to launch our website, brendanflanagan.com. Here, we hope to ask the penetrating questions often reserved from polite company. Today, we're asking, so what is the gospel? Whether we like it or not, we hear the gospel ad nauseum, and it affects everything we do, from our government to our day-to-day activities at work. But do we really know what the gospel means? Welcome to episode one of the So What series. Thank you for joining us, and this is Brendan Flanagan. Today we'll be looking at what is the gospel. Translated from New Testament Greek, the gospel literally means good news. And this isn't mediocre news. This isn't okay news. This isn't just the day-to-day news. This is good, very good, excellent news. And this is what is found in Jesus Christ. But... We can't understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, if we don't understand the contrast. What is the bad news? And this is what we have to understand before we can fully appreciate and comprehend the good news of the gospel. But before we talk about the bad news, let's first look at the backstory. What's informing this whole message? So the backstory is this God is infinitely good. Psalm 1. 36, one reads this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. God isn't just good, He's intrinsically good. He's the very definition of good. If you desire to know what good is, you must only look to God. Furthermore, God is holy. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 reads this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of His glory. God's holiness is manifested in his creation. The very earth that we live on speaks to the glory of God. And that's evident. All things show the creative force of God. We can manufacture, we can build, but God creates. And his creation is a reflection of his holiness, his power, and his perfection. Psalm 1830 speaks more to God's perfection, and it says this, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. So God is infinitely good, holy, and perfect. And this is one part of the backstory. The other part is this. Man draws a stark contrast to God's purity. Psalm 51.5 says this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Man does not become sinful. Man is sinful. As God is intrinsically good, man is intrinsically evil, sinful, and fallen. This is what we've inherited from Adam and his decision to disobey God in the garden. Furthermore, we cannot pull ourselves from the sin that we inherited. Our very DNA is fallen. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says this, There is none righteous, not even one. And if we desire to even dig deeper into the very unrighteousness of man, we can find Ephesians 2.1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We are spiritual zombies. There is nothing we can do to grasp the goodness of God. We cannot work for it. We cannot be born into it. We cannot become good. For we are tarnished and we are born in sin. 
It is our very identity. And so this is the contrast. And this is the full backstory. God is holy, good, and pure. Man is unrighteous, unholy, and evil. Our intrinsic values and identities are at odds with one another. And so now for the bad news. God in his holiness and perfection perfectly exemplifies all of his attributes. And one of his attributes is righteousness. He is a righteous judge. And Psalm 7.11 says this, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. The wrath of God burns against the unrighteousness of men, and he finds us guilty. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. According to God's righteous judgment, man is due to die. This is not something that can be avoided. Nor can we hope for a clerical error. Romans 4 chapter 13 says this, God sees everything. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of God. He must judge sin, and he must punish sin with death. This is to uphold his righteousness. And finally, the nail in the coffin, the very, very bad news, is that we cannot plead ignorance. For he revealed his law through our conscience. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 through 16 says this, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, and that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternatively accusing or excusing their sinful behavior. So we come to the judgment seat of God in the courts of heaven, and we have no excuse. According to his righteousness and perfection, he must judge us guilty. If we break one law, we break all the laws. And so this is how we face God, with no excuse, with no plea of ignorance, guilty, stained by our sin, into which we were born. We are lost and without hope. Thus enters the gospel, and this is why it's called the good news. And now we can begin to appreciate why it's the very good, excellent news of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says this, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ reconciles us to the Father. He has paid our debt of sin with his sacrifice. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says this, The wages of sin is death, but, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ has reconciled us to the Father. He's paid our debt of sin. Moreover, he's extended God's gift of grace and mercy and love to us, a disobedient, undeserving, and disloyal people, and we receive eternal life in his name. This is a restoration dependent on his sinless life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. Furthermore, all drawn to Christ by God will be saved. And finally, those saved in Jesus Christ cannot be torn from him. He grasps us in his hand. John chapter 10 verse 28 says this, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We are guaranteed eternal life in Jesus Christ. But how can we come to participate in the holiness of Christ in our sin? We are dead in sin. We are spiritual zombies. We cannot respond to the goodness of God. Only his convicting power of the Holy Spirit can bring us into a relationship with him. And so this is what's necessary. The Spirit convicts us. It pierces us to the heart. And we cry out to God and say, what shall we do to be saved? This is reminiscent of Acts chapter 2. 
And Peter's response to those pierced in the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit is this. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 reads this. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance. It literally means a turning away from. We are to turn away from our old selves and trust in Jesus Christ. We turn away from sin and turn to Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit. This is not a work of man. This is not a work of our will. This is a work of God's Spirit in us. And what's the result? The result is this. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the foundation of a relationship with Christ. This is the good news that we are allowed to participate in through God's grace and power. But this is not a mere lip service. This is a lifestyle. This is a continued submission to the word of Christ. God fills the believer with the power of the Holy Spirit and animates them with a continual devotion to him and enables a tireless meditation upon the words of Christ. Christ says this in John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Continue is better translated abide. It's where we get our word meditate. We're to meditate upon the word of Christ. We're continually devoted to his word. And this is a sign of true discipleship with Christ. We don't merely confess him and give him lip service. We live a lifestyle transformed by his spirit for the glory of God, continually devoted to his word. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The will of God is to restore fallen man to our intended and designed state. We were created in the image of God, but because of Adam and Eve's decision, we inherited a world of sin and a life of sin. But God, in his mercy and grace, desires to reconcile us with him through his son, Jesus Christ. As we are dead in sin, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, transforms us. And this is what the psalmist says in chapter 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Only God can create a new heart in us and renew our minds. And ultimately, as he continues to renew our minds in this world, he continues to sanctify us and purify us, creating us ever closer to the image of Christ. But this will not be completed here on earth. This is a heavenly perspective and a heavenly hope. As we continue to live in our flesh, we will continue to rage against the very shackles of sin, the bonds of Satan. But 1 Peter 5.10 says this, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We will be established as perfect in heaven because of the glorifying power of Jesus Christ. And as we live the Christian life, he continues to sanctify us, and we bear the fruit of the Spirit, ever manifesting a continued submission to God and growing in a holiness reflecting the ultimate holiness of God, which exists only in heaven. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is he saves us from the very bad news of God's intrinsic nature versus our intrinsic nature. God is good and we are bad. God is perfect and we are imperfect. God is righteous and we are unrighteous. 
we receive the full weight of his judgment and punishment apart from Jesus Christ. And this is the final building block of the gospel. Christ manifests God completely and perfectly. As God is known as a righteous judge, he's now known as perfectly loving, merciful, and gracious. For in Christ, we can receive all the love, grace, and mercy that God desires to give us and has promised us since the beginning of time. Thank you for listening to episode one of our So What series. I hope you enjoyed it. You can listen to this episode and others like it on brendanflanagan.com. Until next time, may you take courage in Christ. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.